You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly podcast that shines the light on the world's biggest energy source. Solar Insiders is presented by Giles Parkinson, the editor of Renew Economy, and Sophie Vorath, the editor of One Step Off the Grid. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Pylon, helping solar installers and retailers design high-resolution solar proposals in minutes. And Nextracker, delivering the most advanced solar tracking technology and the highest performing solar assets in the country. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor and founder of Renew Economy and its EV focus sister site, The Driven. And joining me as usual is Sophie Vorath, the editor of One Step Off The Grid. Sophie, I trust you are well. I am very well, thank you. And you? Look, could never be better, I don't think. Um, rooftop solar seems to be getting a lot of the headlines at the moment. It's, um, and it's probably a good thing um, because it's the one part of the uh, renewables industry that's in tip-top shape. Yes, uh, it's punching well above its weight. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so we seem to have a bit of a slowdown in large-scale wind and solar deployments, particularly large-scale solar. And, uh, but rooftop solar is um, sort of surging ahead. Uh, aiming for about over three gigawatts, according to the Clean Energy Re- Regulator's latest forecast, heading up to a 3.2, which would be a record and beat 2021. The reason, of course, is rising uh, electricity bills, and people are going to use want to, want to use rooftop solar to deflect the costs of electricity, but they're also thinking about battery storage. And I guess one of the things about battery storage is, can you make money out of them? Are they, will you get a return on investment? And I guess up until recently, the answer was pretty much no, unless you've got a reason to have standby power um, and do keep things cold or frozen or whatever, or just another reason to have batteries other than making money. Um, but um, there's some new developments now which show that in certain cases, they can make lots of money. Yes. Well, that's, we spoke to somebody today about that, or I did, to Tim Barson from Amber Electric, and he is a well, complete expert who lives in South Australia. He's at the cutting edge right there amongst it, and he's overseeing um, part this trial that uh, Amber are doing with Osgrid, network company, um, on two-way tariffs. Um, but, but Amber's been involved in trying to make money for people with batteries and by demand shifting load and and making the most of their solar for for a long time now they're one of these uh, upstart retailers whose um, offer is linked to the wholesale price and who had a bit of a sketchy time through the energy crisis (laughs) but um who are doing very well now thank you very much and are doing this quite uh successful two-way tariff trial Let's have a listen to Tim Barson from Amber Electric talking earlier today to Sophie. Welcome to Solar Insiders, Tim Barson. Thanks for having me, Sophie. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, Tim is from Amber Electric, which is one of our, I want to say upstart retailers, but you've been around for quite a while. Um, And what I will get you to do to start with, Tim, is just to tell us what uh, Amber Electric is all about. Sure. Um, Thanks for having me today. Um, Amber is all about shifting Australia to 100% renewable energy. Uh, That's our mission as a business. And we see that the fastest way to do this 
is by giving all our residential customers uh, the market incentive. So passing through the wholesale cost of power, um, which many people don't know about until they start reading about Amber. But yeah, we have a wholesale cost of power in this country and it is um, much cheaper when it's greener. So when renewables are producing, they are the cheapest form of energy. Uh, solar and wind have no input cost. Once the uh, solar farm or solar is on your roof and, and the wind is blowing uh, through the wind farm, um, it costs nothing to, uh, to generate that energy, unlike traditional forms of generation, like burning coal and gas. Um, so when by passing through the wholesale cost, Customers get access to that super cheap uh, and green energy when it's flooding into the grid. Um, and so they are encouraged to shift their usage to times when renewables are producing and away from times when they're normally powered by coal and gas, so early evening perhaps. Um, that's our standard offer for, for anyone who can load shift. And then those who have a battery are able to, well, the battery usually powers them through that early evening point when their solar panels have stopped producing energy um, and that's generally when power is more expensive and so they're not paying it then uh, and if they are on our smart shift platform then they can sell into the market uh, at that expensive time and get paid big feed-in tariffs um, exactly the same as the big coal and gas generators make excellent um, so it wouldn't be for everyone the amber electric offer as you say it's it's you mostly target solar households and households with battery storage is that fair to say um no anyone who has some ability to load shift uh, or can use more of their power particularly during the day um consistently throughout the nem uh, the national electricity market on the east coast that is uh, power prices are generally very cheap during the day um, so if you can, uh, if you're working from home, you know, retired, if you have some automation that's able to load shift, um, just use a little less, say in the evening between five and nine and, and a bit more um, timers on, on pool pumps and hot water services. These are generally the things that use the most power and energy within a home. So if you can um, have them come on uh, during the daytime, then you can do really quite well with Amber, right. um, even without a battery. Okay. And how about, you know, over this dreaded energy crisis that we've just had where um, when there wasn't a whole lot of renewables on the grid at those times and the fossil fuel prices were heavily inflated, how did, uh, I know that some companies like Amber who are quite connected to the wholesale price uh, struggled and some, some really struggled. How did you guys fare in that, in that situation? Yeah, uh, that was an interesting time for us as a you know, relatively new business. Um, so the energy crisis was in the middle of winter, lower uh, renewables um, in the grid. Um, and what we saw was wholesale prices that, that as you mentioned, way above normal um, for a number of factors. Uh, so our customers were exposed to that. However, we do have a guarantee that our customers never pay more than the default market offer. So we paid out um, over $4 million, I believe, in, um, in cash back to those customers who were negatively impacted. So they'd pay their bill and they'd get, get credit, um, which they can turn into cash. Uh, and that was, uh, we did lose a few customers and we know a number of our um, other retailers in the market went out of business because of that. They were buying energy at wholesale rates for 2 $3 a kilowatt hour then selling it for 30 odd cents and you know losing quite a lot of money. We weren't in that position, um, but our customers were a bit exposed. 
many of them left and many have since come back. Um, that sort of ended uh, towards the end of winter last year. And now wholesale prices are you know, even better than back to normal. We're seeing super low pricing again throughout the market. Um, and those of us with solar and battery, like myself, we actually did quite well during the energy crisis. We were like generators mm. ourselves making those 2 and $3 per kilowatt hour. Fantastic, which brings me to my next question because the reason, one of the main reasons why I've got you here today is because we had a reader um, email in um, telling us that he is trialling, well, part, part of the trial that um, Amber is running alongside Osgrid Network uh, Operator in uh, New South Wales. Uh, that is trying out two-way tariffs and he was a very happy customer I'm pleased to say <laughs> and yeah like you just said he he's telling us how while on the one hand there is a penalty for him if he if he exports his solar at certain times of the day when there's huge amounts of solar already on the grid he's getting some really really um, great returns on his solar when he sells it during peak time um, and is generally making a profit every day which is fantastic um, he has a battery and a solar system and what I wanted to ask you was um, you know how is this trial going if I mean perhaps you can give us a bit more background but uh, it's a topic we've covered a fair bit on one step off the grid um, this two-way flow of of energy which is the norm now um, I think more and more we're seeing that uh, and the question was well what do we do when there's too much solar on the grid what do we do to sort of deal with that problem and some of the networks were saying you know we can't accommodate it all it's destabilizing the grid etc etc um, whereas some of the innovators like you guys were saying well there's plenty of things we can do to deal with this problem um, and to, to make sure we, we utilise all of that energy instead of just spilling it all onto the grid or, or curtailing it or whatever else happens. So enter the two-way tariff system, which is really like a time-of-use tariff. Um, but this is really one of the first trials of, of this kind of network pricing that we're seeing that's being given the blessing of the energy regulator. And it's a trial and it's an opt-in trial, which means that you're probably mostly going to have happy customers <laughs> or um, educated customers at least. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear from you how it's going and how likely you think it is this is going to become a um, bona fide product on the market anytime soon. Sure. So the two-way tariff trial that you're referring to is the Ausgrid two-way tariff and that is structured with a small penalty to export uh, to do exactly as you've said minimize uh, exports via a financial incentive um, in the middle of the day when the system is often awash with solar uh, particularly in that region um, so between 10 and 2 customers are charged about two cents per kilowatt um, for export, uh, $0.02 cents per kilowatt hour, um, correction, um, for export. And then come 2 o'clock, they are paid a bonus $0.26.6 cents, uh, for their exports from their solar and their battery combined. So from 2 until 8, their exports are worth considerably more. Um, now, our customers are you know, prepped for uh negative pricing already it happens sometimes in the middle of the day when there's too much solar 
Um, and we have ways to deal with that, both um, educating customers to you know, self-consume when it's not worth much to the grid um, via timers and automation, et cetera. Um, and we can uh, curtail uh, as well during that. If you have um, systems that we're cap- uh, compatible with, if your solar system um, is able to be curtailed and, and we can do so, then we'll do that automatically. Uh, so that means stopping export, only matching uh, solar production to home energy usage. Uh, so you'll make as as much as you need um, and then none will be exported. So we can offer that to customers already. So they avoid um, that, that penalty uh, if, if they have a compatible gear. So the what we're seeing with the Ausgrid bonus is it's paid on top of uh, Amber's wholesale energy rate. So I can give you a live example now um, at you know, 430 uh, where you are now, the current feed-in tariff, which is a combination of the 26.6 cents uh, and the, the wholesale rate is 36 cents per kilowatt hour. Um, and so the batteries that we have and, and the solar that we have, our customers are incentivized to use more in the penalty window and our batteries will automatically charge in that window um, where possible. Customers are running around plugging in devices and, and setting timers to have their hot water on it. 10 till uh, 2, and then trying to maximise their export uh, from now until 8 o'clock. Um, so we're seeing customers making uh, with, you know, average size systems of 6.6 and 13.5 kilowatt hours, making about 150 bucks a month uh, with, with that sort of system after they've covered their usage. Um, so that's it's been very uh, successful and, and, and well-received by our customers. And so we're... To the best of my knowledge, the only retailer that passes on that $0.26 cent bonus in full to customers um, on top of the wholesale tariff. So that's, that's how it works um, on our side. And we uh, offer it to all of our battery customers with automation. So be that our in-house uh, smart shift automation or done by our partners out there who do that battery automation for us. If you can... Um, control your battery or if you uh, even have a battery and you want to get access to higher feed-in tariffs from 2pm then we can we can opt you onto it. It sounds all very sensible to me. Um, the interesting part is this idea of a penalty during the middle of the day and or a cost. I mean you can sort of call it any one of those two things. Um, uh, you know, has been criticised in the past and by opponents to the this sort of idea as a sort of tax on solar and, and why would you charge for solar when it's been such a positive thing and these people have invested and they've helped to bring down the cost of electricity and, and for everyone. Um, so why is it important to have that sort of stick in the carrot and stick approach? Like, you know, it's, it's a sort of a harsh word, but, you know, it is all about messaging, isn't it, and changing behaviour. So it, it's important um, to have that disincentive, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. And I've been in this industry for you know, 10 years or so and it's I love big solar. I love what it can do. I live in an electric home uh, myself, solar, battery, EV. I don't have a petrol bill or a gas bill or electricity bill. Um and so I'm exposed to sometimes negative pricing, um, but I, my system can, can stop the export. Uh, where it can't, 
we we do need to drive up self-consumption within the home and we need to sell we need installers to be installing smarter solar that is capable of ramping down um not just just because they might be an amber customer and, and an osgrid two-way tariff customer and trying to avoid that but because network constraints are real um the the issues we're seeing at the network level are only going to continue and, and get um, more serious they become more real in summer they become more real when uh, existing generation goes offline for maintenance or sometimes they catch on fire um, you know things happen interconnectors go down so networks need to consider um, the amount of power that is being uh, supplied at any one time as well as being demanded and so with with EVs coming, there's going to be more demand on the grid. And the networks really do have to, to think about both the, the supply and the demand and how to match that. And so, uh, you know, we're not opposed to a penalty, particularly one that we can optimise around. Um, you know, a two cent penalty, what we're seeing is that's nothing compared to the 26 cents that you then get in the afternoons. And it's, you know, quite generous and probably won't be um, continued in that form forever. But um, it, it has been a real incentive and uh, the data we've been shared from Osgrid has seen a real uh, sort of flat line of imports um, at that time uh, for our customers specifically and um, really uh, incentivizing the export later. But, you know, we're not opposed to, you know, for want of a, a better word, the sun tax that they get away from that nomenclature, I'm, I'm, I'm aware. But we can encourage customers to use more with on-site or, you know, an Amber customer is encouraged to use more in the middle of the day anyway if they don't have solar because it is the cheapest. Um, and then we can build the technology to optimise around it. Um, and we need to start selling solar that is more uh, capable and flexible. Um, and we're seeing that in the regions that are most constrained first. So South Australia and Western Australia are good examples of that. Um, you know, massive amounts of solar and in South Australia's case where I'm based um, very little demand during the day in fact solar covers all of our uh, energy needs for um, much of the year. Mm, you covered all of South Australia's demand briefly on the weekend I think just rooftop yeah. solar so quite amazing and that's the other side to it isn't it aside from it being a security issue for the grid it's it's this very valuable asset that we have. And for a state like New South Wales, where Osgrid is, you know, where we've got this debate over, do we close a rearing or not? Do we close this big coal station? You know, a lot of it has to do with, well, we have to be smarter about the energy that we've got. And we have to work out how to, as you say, shift it into the times when we need it and um, n not waste it and not be sort of um, silly about it. And, yeah. I think that's what um, so pleased the customer that wrote into us is that he said, you know, this has really helped me change my behaviour. And I'm just wondering, you know, how many people have you got on the trial on the on the particular Osgrid two-way tariff? And how, you know, I think I mentioned this to you earlier before we started recording that this um, guy is a retired engineer, so he's got a real interest in it. He's also developed one of his his, his own sort of bespoke energy management thing um, system to go on top of or alongside your smart shift stuff and mm -hmm. your um, AI and just to yeah. help him control his loads a bit more 
Um, but how realistic is it to expect that, you know, mo- the average person is going to get, you know, get this excited about this kind of thing? You know, is it something that we have to take off people's hands completely and go, here's the package, uh, we'll take care of it, we promise, and you'll have this bill or, or this profit or whatever, you know? How much can we expect people to really get engaged in load shifting and... and maximizing their solar in your opinion you know from what you've seen oh granted our customers are generally more engaged particularly those um, with smart shift and doing automation um, we we really want to give all our customers the tools to enable it you know, our app will show you the price now the forecast price and help you um, load shift to the best of your ability manually we have smart shift battery optimization that will do much of it automatically. Um, there are EV charging uh, automation tools coming to Amber next year, and there are already some available in the market now, which um, really do incentivize you to use more renewable energy. And that's both yours on site and your neighbors or, or the wind in the grid. Um, you, you, no one, as, as you say, no one's going to get that excited by a network tariff. Um, you know, pretty dry, uh, but when you show them the, the sort of returns that uh, customers of ours are making, um, you know, 150 bucks for, a, for an average size system in credit uh, at the moment is, is pretty pretty standard. And, and our biggest winner, his last bill was $900 in credit for the month. He, he has a big battery. That's um, David Kiley from, uh, from whatever. Uh, he, on his website, he's... Um, talking all about his experience. He actually expanded his battery um, to because he's in the, the Osgood region. Um, we're seeing a few of our customers have gone back to their installer and said, hey, give me another one. Um, so when you show them the the amount of just savings they can make, earning potential, that's when they start to get interested. Um, so we, we do want to build a as much as possible, a set and forget ecosystem for our customers. You know, your battery will automatically find you the cheapest time to top up and, and sell. Um, you'll, you'll be selling to offset coal and gas uh, when it's super expensive. You'll be charging and providing a customer for cheap wind in the grid or, or cheap solar if you, you don't have enough. Um, and your EV will will automatically charge at the, the cheapest time that is almost always aligned really nicely with what the network wants too, right? The network doesn't want you to use power between 6 and 8 p.m. They want you to use power in the middle of the day when when there's lots of solar. Uh, and that's exactly what the wholesale price uh, will will tell you to do also. If you can charge your, your car for $0.02 cents a kilowatt hour um, in the middle of the day or, or, say, $0.10 cents overnight, then... You're going to try and do that um, as opposed to paying you know 50 odd cents plugging it in uh, during peak time and that's not just an amber customer thing that's um, you know everyone has not everyone but most people are on a time of use tariff um, power is, is cheaper in certain windows uh, and then more expensive when it's uh, in demand throughout so we we don't expect people to get you know the, the average person to get too deep into um uh, tariffs will hopefully just recommend the one that's best for them um, based on their particular setup and their usage uh, and let the um, the savings or earnings on offer sort of steer that. Okay. And on the flip side, I've, you know, I've asked you 
how likely is it it will have all these customers engaged? How likely is it that in, I don't know, say a decade or probably much less, all retailers will have to have this approach? You know, are you guys setting up the template for what is going to be the future? We hope so. (laughs) Because... As you say, you know, and as we often say on the website, it's this huge push towards electrification. People are going to have electric cars. They're going to have electric hot water. They'll have solar. They may or may not have a battery. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will become more and more important for there to be these signals for people and to be to have automated automation and smart controls and, and inverters that can be told what to do and when to do it. Um, how easily do you think Australia's industry will transition into that? It will require the networks to come to the party as well, obviously. Absolutely. Um, we're seeing in New South Wales the, the two-way tariffs are being adopted um, first there. Um, they've, they've been rolled out in Osgrew yeah. and Essentials. Uh, got one now in Endeavour and uh, it's one available soon that we'll we'll offer as well um sa power networks have one available now as as well um so the networks will force uh change in in the industry they already have in in south australia if you want to sell an inverter here it needs to be able to be um ramped down or ramped up in line with what the network needs um and we're seeing compliance and, and you can really look to the south australian region for what is going to happen um you know, the blunt on-off uh, control is not a is not a very what good way to um, to control solar inverters because you can't see the invisible load uh, behind those inverters, and as, as you turn them off via uh, a blunt instrument, then all of a sudden that comes back online. Um, whereas the flexible exports that South Australia has adopted um, enables inverters to meat house consumption and, and ramp down their their export accordingly so the networks will will do what they need to do to keep the lights on for everyone um it will look like some sort of two-way tariff um, most likely but it will come with you know a, a carrot as well as as well as a stick and and we the demands for solar will increase as the passenger fleet fleet electrifies as homes get off gas, which is no longer cheap and was never clean. Um, and so we, we will see more on-site uh, usage needed. But I think a lot of the, um, a lot of the, your average customer equates their savings from solar with the fit-in tariff they see on their bill and don't fully understand the um, self-consumption benefits, you know. The average feed-in tariff is five cents a kilowatt hour. Now it's it's much better for you to self-consume that and avoid paying forty cents later on. Um, and so there's a bit of customer education uh, around that, as well as um, innovative offers like ours combined with Ausgrids. Um, other retailers are exploring the same thing, but um, we are the only ones that pass on all that benefit in full. Um, and to your question on how many customers we have, we have uh, over 500 uh, on this Osgrid two-way tariff now, um, and we expect that um, to, to keep growing quite significantly. Because at the moment, the trial is running until July 24, is that right? Yeah, June 30, yeah. 2024. June 30, yep. And then it will be restructured. Um, yeah, and then so then for the next uh, regulatory period, they have to pitch 
whether they want to keep doing that. Is that correct? Or, yeah. yeah. I've seen the draft um, proposal of what they're looking at next. It's yep. not quite as lucrative. It still has a okay. carrot and stick, um, similar structure. Mm. But uh, I'm not sure, but I suspect the um, the structure was, was made quite generous in order to sort of test the um, the response. Yeah, and to to really get people involved, I think mm. early early adopters, people who are going where other people wouldn't wouldn't probably tread mm. <laughs> at the moment. Anyway, I mean, I know that I get I get like to tell my children not to that we're not generating and not to <laughs> don't put the dishwasher on now. You sound like but, a uh, customer. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware that uh, not everyone else is doing that. Um, but I think you know it's it's hugely exciting what what consumers have to gain, and then what the grid has to gain. Um, to me, is a is a really positive story going forward, and it's great to see um, you know innovators like Amber leading the way, and and taking part in these trials with their big nasty networks. <laughs> I said that, not you. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have some good good friends in the networks that are doing I, i'm sure and th there's some actually you know after a long period of, of of general grumpiness there's been some amazing innovation on that side because there just has to be and uh i think most of the people working in the networks are are as excited about it as as everyone else um, we're also, because there's huge potential there is and, and we're seeing the networks look at other um ways to incentivize consumption when they want it and disincentivize at other times like um, community uh, battery trial tariffs which are letting you charge use the network to charge for for nothing or for very little um, during the middle of the day for example uh, or, or uh, incentivizing export in the evening as well so there's those and then there are other innovative EV tariffs coming on as well recognising people want to charge are either off solar or overnight um, if they need the car for work in the morning, then enabling access to um, to cheap power uh, overnight there as well. So they're definitely, um, they're definitely sort of leading the way and, and hats off to Ausgrid um, for structuring the penalty in a way that we can actually accommodate it. Um, what I mean by that is it's charged... Um, in a way that we can build optimizations to to block it. So if, if ever it does go negative, we're able to block export from that customer. Now, other two-way tariffs are charging like a reverse demand charge, so per kilowatt exported. What that means is like if you have a five-kilowatt inverter and you're exporting three kilowatts, um, it's going to take your max export kilowatts for that month and then penalise you based on that which um, is very hard to build optimization around. Whereas if you charge per kilowatt hour, exports uh, in that window uh, are much easier for us to add to our um, current cost of power. So if it's uh, zero cents for feed-in tariff and there's a two cent penalty, well, then we know uh, to curtail because it's, uh, it's structured in a way that we can. Um, so that's something we'd, we'd like to see more of as well. It's also a smaller window than I thought there would be where you're not allowed to export just the 10 till 2. I would have thought it might go a bit later in the afternoon. Um, yeah. Does that change in summer at all? Or 
it doesn't, um, which is great for our customers. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of sunshine in Sydney from two o'clock uh, in summertime. Mm. Uh, it will Some be... of the best, depending on your your rooftop setup. I've got east and west, so I'd be happy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, west is best for uh, <laughs> for many, and particularly those in Osgrid. Um, it will change. I think the structure uh, that window expands a bit next financial year. I can't recall. It might be three or four o'clock that it goes until. Um, and we'll we'll see them, you know, adjust to what uh, what makes sense to them. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people with families between three and four o'clock can be quite busy at home when kids are coming home and that kind of thing. So it wouldn't necessarily be a problem. But um, yeah, I I was surprised at how small the window is with Osgrid. It's it's quite good and it does allow for quite a lot of export time, even without a battery. You know, if you didn't have a battery, you've still got that time you could export true and you could do well with a big western solar array but with the um additional co- um additional feed and tariff available uh, there's a higher cost to use the network at that time as well so we will offer it um to our battery customers because they're not generally buying at that time but uh it would be a sort of um case by case basis whether we would either recommend it or uh, we'll let anyone jump on it if if they you know, really want to, and they have a big Western Face and Soling array, and they think it'll it'll do well. But they they need to know that the cost to use the poles and wires will will be quite a bit more than they're used to as well. From two and eight. Um, my final question for you is around the batteries. Um, there's still so much chatter in Australia about whether or not it's it makes financial sense to get a battery if you're a homeowner and. Often it's people say it's a case by case basis, or you know it depends on whether you can afford it if you have the spare cash, quote unquote. Um, but you know, referring back to our reader again, who's who sent in his email, he said it that this two way tariff made it a no brainer for him to get the battery, and it sounds like he's doing very well. Um, do you think this is a good way to incentivize people to install home batteries? Do you think the future is a is a one where most houses have batteries or are we going to have them on the grid community batteries or is it going to be more about um, storing the solar in your car battery which is bigger than any home battery you'll ever have how do you think that's shaping up and what do you think you know he thinks it's this great incentive for people to get batteries but do you think that's realistic in Osgrid, it, Osgrid is our best region for battery customers at the moment, thanks to the two-way tariff. Uh, oh, really? It was uh, you know, Queensland, South Australia before, and that's due to the big difference between high and low price in those two states. You can buy for nothing and sell for $10 a kilowatt hour sometimes. Um, but whereas in Osgrid, you get that plus uh, a daily um, earnings from you know, the extra 27 cents. So there's never been a better time to buy a battery if you live in Osgrid. Um, it's, you, you should look at it plus Amber for yep. you are considering it. Um, Get on it, people. That's right. That window is is closing and it will still stick around, but it won't be quite as lucrative. We want uh, all our customers to have batteries so that they can take advantage of and enable um, the renewable transition, use more renewables yep. and, and less coal and gas and, and offset coal and gas. Um, we, we've calculated we can close down a, a gas-fired power plant 
uh, with every 100,000 devices we automate. So that's um, that's that's the plan. Um, we, we are improving battery ROI with SmartShift as well. So buying low, selling high. Um, and so we... So what do, you, what do you think you can get it down to these days? It depends. <laughs> it's <laughs> on a number of things, but... Um, you know, you can have a battery payback within its warranted you know, ten-year period um, in uh, most of the states in Australia with SmartShift or, or some similar optimization. We we have the most upside because we have feed-in tariffs up to fifteen dollars, the same as a, a big generator. Um, so you could get it down to, to under ten years, uh, depending on the product you go with and and, and where you are in terms of community battery versus behind the meter battery behind the meter makes better economic sense because you don't pay the network tariffs at all. Um, you know, you're self-consuming it at home instead of, um, uh, you know, having to pay the cost to get that power to you through the network. Um, so they're generally better financially, although you get economies of scale with the larger batteries um, behind the meter is definitely the, the way to go at the moment. And it's, what we can optimize for you in terms of vehicle to grid that it's super exciting um and we're you know, again in south australia we're doing it uh for a couple of customers at the moment uh, we have at least two that i know of who have bi-directional chargers and, and capable cars and are doing energy arbitrage um, buying for nothing and then selling uh, when, when prices rise and we hope to roll that out more broadly when the technology becomes available and the networks allow it in other states. And so um, that's some, some people may leapfrog the, uh, the battery, home battery um, purchasing because, you know, most people have a car, uh, but not everyone has a, has a battery. And uh, we, we think that when the fleet electrifies and the technology catches up uh, that, yeah, people will be coming home from work and plugging in. Uh, selling a little bit uh, of their power, then topping back up overnight when prices fall um, and powering their house at the same time. Uh, so it's, it's a very exciting space. and It is a very exciting space. And I think you've got your new slogan worked out, buy a home battery, close a gas plant. I like it. Love to do that. <laughs> yes. Well, it's been great to speak to you and I, I'm, I'm going to have to follow you up and, and ask about those um, electric car owners who are using the bi-directional charging, but that's going to be for another episode. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Tim. And uh, yeah, all the best with the rest of the trial. And I look forward to hearing uh, what the next chapter holds. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Sophie. And that was Tim Barson from Amber Electric. Uh, Sophie, fascinating conversation. Um, I guess the big question of my mind is, you know, how engaged do you need to be to be able to sort of um, to to get the most out of these these sort of technologies and these sort of tariffs? It sounds like um, less involved than you might have been, say, a while ago, because everything's become more automated. Yeah, not not quite everything, and I think Amber at the moment do like their customers to be quite involved and. Um, they definitely like them to have a battery. Um, I think he said something lovely about, um, you know, there's a certain amount of batteries that they believe that they get out there that can basically cancel out a gas plant. <laughs> I forget the exact amount, but it's a nice concept. It's a good good marketing pitch, I think. Um, 
But well, that's right. I mean, like 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 rooftop solar has basically come after the coal industry yeah, because yeah. it's taking a big lunch out of the middle of the day. So now you've got the batteries coming yeah. after the gas industry. So get rid of um, gas. Working in tandem, um, <laughs> all fossil fuels are gone. It's a wonderful outcome. It is. Um, but yes, you're right. It's going to have to be a lot more automated. And basically, you know, I think companies like Amber are really setting the standard for what all retailers are going to end up having to offer people. They're going to have to offer these packages. They're going to have to say, we'll help you control it. We'll help you make the most of your solar. We'll help you uh, export to the grid when the grid needs it and all of these things and uh, not just for the benefit of the customer, although that's like what they always like to say that they're doing, <laughs> um, but also for the benefit of the grid and to, to as uh, Tim said, it's basically about going to renewables. It's about shifting to renewables and, and this is part of how we have to change our behaviour as consumers yes. and as the industry. Oh God, wouldn't it be lovely that, you know, for the customer actually meant for the customer? Just like, you know. <laughs> it really does it, Amber, and I think they, they, you know, I think they're one of the companies that didn't have the best time over the when uh, the electricity prices went to hell in a handcart. But... Um, you know, I think they really are. They're, they pass on a lot of the benefits and um, they've really made an effort to try and, yeah, change behaviour and to, to make people think, well, this will be a good time to get a battery and, and you know, to get, get the payback down, uh, which is, yeah. yeah. And look, this is actually a really good thing for the grid as a whole because as we've documented over the last week or two, we're, setting, we're seeing some extraordinary records now um, on the grid. Rooftop solar basically last Saturday, albeit for a five-minute period, providing well, meeting more than the demand in South Australia, 101% of yeah. local demand just from rooftop solar. Just, just extraordinary. Yeah. It, it, it is astonishing. Um, a week earlier, it did 99 point something percent for a half-hour period. Um, in Western Australia, which is really interesting, uh, 74%, not as much as South Australia, but remember that Western Australia is an isolated grid, has no yep. other connections, so it's got to kind of deal with all the consequences and how to manage that output. So anything that encourages more battery storage, anything that encourages um, changes of behaviour, anything that encourages sort of more demand to be put in the middle of the day is actually really good for the grid. Um, so it's, yeah. um, it's, it's, it's quite fascinating. It is, and as you know, it, it not that long ago we had sort of grumpy networks saying, "Oh, we can't have this much solar," and we had grumpy consumers saying, "I don't want you telling me how much solar I can have," and you know, everyone was sort of doing their own thing and wanting their own thing, and now it seems like we are working out that we can actually all aim for the same thing, and everyone can be a winner. We just have to be smart about it, and and yeah, not forget about everybody else that can't sort of, you know, come along for the ride, make sure it's equitable. But, yeah, it's... It's, 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 been, it's been wonderful sort of seeing the network sort of, sort of, uh, sort of um, mutate, well, not, uh, yeah, sort, sort of transform from sort of saying, no, you can't come and play in our back garden now because no. we don't have enough capacity for you. Go and play <laughs> in that sandpit over there. Um, to, oh, no, please, please do. Come. No, we've, we've, got, got we've, a, we've got lots of capacity. We've so, got a treehouse. Um, <laughs> we've got a treehouse. Yay! <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely they have it. And actually now they're doing some really amazing things. Like Osgreen is also doing this thing with Reposit, which just won an award and, you know, a similar sort of thing where but and that's that's much more of the here, you give us everything and we'll take care of it, which I'm not sure will be that well taken up. But, you know, it, it involves a, a fairly big element of trust. 
Um, yes, which is not something that the energy industry has actually engendered particularly successfully no, over the last hasn't um, quite couple it. of decades. <laughs> <laughs> so, and look, I think the fact that Reposit Power is involved in it might give people some comfort because they're another company that, you know, is independent and, and, and really focused on, on the energy future. But, yeah, it's not something that people naturally think, oh, yes, I totally trust the uh, incumbent industry to look after my best interests. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I'm happy to spend nearly $20,000 on kit and then hand it all over, <laughs> which is, yeah. But yeah. It, nevertheless, it won an award and it, it has been doing really well. And this two-way tariff that uh, Amber and Osgrid are doing has got 500 participants, which is pretty yeah, good. Great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and of course there's applications for electric vehicles and there's more people sort of sign up to or, or buy electric vehicles now. I mean, there's 130,000, I think, on the road now. So, wow. um And there's going to be a lot more in coming years and a lot of those people will be much more engaged because they sort of think differently about... Because they have to be, yes. Well, because they have to be, yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly right, yeah. Yeah, no, fascinating. Well, look, um, well done on that interview. Look, we should just quickly just run over some other news around. We've mentioned the new rooftop solar records in mm -hmm. um, South Australia and Western Australia. I think even in New South Wales it got to 50%, which is pretty interesting. Um, it, oh, no, it wasn't Victoria, I think 50% um, of demand at one stage pushing brown coal down to record lows, which is, um, yes, and in New South Wales I think there was also a new record, but I can't think off the top of my head what that was. But just, um, just to sort of run over a couple other things, Sophie, um, more bad behaviour, more people sent to jail or given fines, or what's happened to them? Yes, we had a, another couple of, uh, what was it, two, two people and one company. Um, but, yes, more of the same. The, this cheating, cheating on uh, the rebate, basically claiming certificates when you didn't do all of the checks and balances that are needed to take part in the rebate. Um, and really the, the clean energy regulator is red hot on it at the moment and um, it's good. It's good to see because... You know, a, a rooftop solar installation that's not properly supervised is not a good thing for anyone. Um, yes. And, I mean, uh, I, 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 and one of the reasons that it's not properly supervised too is, is the risk of fires and there's been, been an issue with that as well. Well, yes. And look, whether it's an issue or whether it's just an ABC News issue, <laughs> I'm not sure. That was partly what um, caught my – the ABC does tend to put out a story on an annual basis about – rooftop solar fires and as I, I said in my article one fire is one too many so obviously it's an important issue and it, it's been a real issue um, but relatively speaking in the in the spectrum of residential fires rooftop solar systems don't cause that many fires at all but uh, that has been a problem in the past DC isolators have been uh, sort of singled out as one of the main causes for these because um, they're sort of a, an add-on that, uh, you know, tends to just, that ironically was put there for safety reasons but has been a real weak link in the safety of rooftop solar systems because they let water in basically. And uh, they're no longer mandatory as of a couple of years ago but we still have a whole lot of legacy systems. They're pretty old that have them and... Uh, the upshot is what interested me is that what the message that we're hearing from, uh, you know, Energy Safe Victoria and Energy Safe Northern Territory <laughs> is that um, we should be having our solar systems checked every two years, which 
is was sort of news to me. I've had my solar system for three years. I was horrified to realise and I have not had mine checked. And when I try, tried to do that, it was far from easy, I have to tell you. I was, it involved three phone calls from me to my installer, who I won't name, um, and a quote of just under $400 just to have a health check. So not cheap either. And so, yes, I think it's a it's an interesting subject. And I have gone off on quite a tangent there. But uh, the point is, I think what um, I had a chat to, to Solar Victoria and what they said to me was, uh, you know, that we do need to see solar systems as, as not set and forget. They do need to be checked, not just for safety, but to make sure that they're, they're running at full efficiency and all of that. And they're earning you the money they should do or saving you the money. Well, well, look. I mean, it sort of goes back to sort of the monitoring um, systems. I think um, basically um, every solar system should come in there with a monitor and have a visible display so that people can either look at it, you know, either in the kitchen or on their phone or whatever, and just show yeah. how much has been produced and how much they're using, because that just gives so much information. Just people just don't realise, they don't understand. You know, they could have everything switched on in the house and go, "Oh, crikey, that's actually consuming a lot of electricity. Maybe we don't need everything switched on in the house because there are consequences to yeah. that." Um, <laughs> Sorry. Which yes. which goes to our previous discussion of, of education and, and consumer insight and changing of behaviour. But I think also it's a bit incumbent on the solar industry to to step into that role. To you know, I mean, it, it's potentially something that they should have to do. It should be part of the cost and. You know, who knows? But that's probably another podcast. For the well, future. it's probably another podcast. With, yes, exactly. Yes, I mean, look, education is quite <laughs> imp- education is important. Um, not just in sort it of is, solar. Safety is ba- important. And, and safety, yeah. but you know, not just for the mm. solar industry and the battery industry and electric vehicle industry. Except, sort of, knowledge seems to be a frowned upon thing at the moment. I mean, the sort of the dumbest and the stupidest comment we can possibly make in mainstream media seems to get the most attention. But um, we will continue to work against that and to try and. Spread yes. um, good information. Yes, and in the meantime, know your DC isolator. It's not a ticking time on waiting <laughs> to go off on your roof, on your wall. Uh, but do get it checked. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. Look, I think that's a bit of a wrap for this week, Sophie. Look, um, thank you very much for that interview um, with Amber Electric. That's really interesting. And, um, and for the other information. And um, thank you, for Tim, for joining us uh, for that interview. Um, thanks, of course, to our sponsors. Thanks for Everybody out there, do listen to our Energy Insiders podcast. Um, The Driven podcast as well has a new episode coming up. And, of course, there's some really interesting stuff on our new electrification series on Switched On podcast. Um, Some really great information there. So um, do check that out. Um, You'll be listening to Solar Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I've been joined by Sophie Vorath. And we'll be back again in a fortnight. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Pylon. Pylon provides easy-to-use solar design software for installers and retailers with pay-as-you-go pricing, no monthly costs and no locking contracts. Join Australia's top solar companies who trust Pylon to design high-resolution, CEC-ready solar proposals. Solar Insiders is also brought to you by Nextracker, delivering some of the highest-performing solar assets in the country. Like a sunflower follows the sun, Nextracker's market-leading solar solutions deliver optimal return on investment for utility solar farms in Australia. Check out their flagship NX Horizon Smart Solar Tracker, their intelligent optimization software, and the industry's most advanced terrain-following solar tracking technology, NX Horizon XTR.